Well, I'm Michael Foster, and you're listening to It's Good to Be a Man, the podcast where we are extending God's house and father rule by helping men to establish their own houses in strength, workmanship, and wisdom. This past week, I had a tweet go viral or at least viral for me, and it was about how porn kills your desire, relationships, and conscience. And the reason it caught fire, well, at least I think, was unbeknownst to me, there had been a debate about banning porn already raging on Twitter and elsewhere on the internet. So it got a lot of attention, uh, both good and bad. There was a lot of trolls, of course. But the reason I'm going to talk about banning porn today is that my direct messages on Twitter were full of people uh, asking about how they can break free from their porn addiction. It was men and women, young and old, Christian and non-Christian. I had Muslims in there. I had some girls in there that were probably 19, 20. Uh, These girls I thought were trolling me, but then I saw that they're like Andrew Peterson fans, and they look like the sort of girls that would work at Chick-fil-A. And and here they are asking a stranger on Twitter, how can I get free from pornography? This is a bad situation, guys. It's bad. And it's kind of intimidating to tackle, and that's one reason why we haven't really tackled the subject in detail uh, yet, but we're going to do it today. Now, we're not going to tackle the big question of legally banning porn. I'll tell you that I think it's a good debate, and I'm in favor of it being banned. But I'm always most interested in areas where you can take immediate action. And you can't really take immediate action in banning porn legally. There's things you can do, but not to the same level of, of uh, your own life, right? So how about this? How about you ban porn from your own life? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a four-step battle plan to do that because porn kills and you need to kill it first. Okay, so like I said, I have a four-step plan for you. I'm sure there could be more steps or less, but these are the four steps that I usually walk people through in conversation. They're not in order of importance. Uh, they're just in order of, of coming to my mind. So as with all things, it's best just to pick somewhere and start, okay? So pick a step, get going, let's get to it. Step one. You need to reframe how you think about pornography in yourself. You need to change your mindset. Now, we're going to break this step into two parts. First, change how you think about pornography. Pornography is both wrong and bad. It's wrong because it violates God's law. And I'm going to do a little bit of theology here. I'm going to go a little Presbyterian on you. I'm a big fan of the Westminster Standards, Westminster Confession, Shorter Catechism, and Larger Catechism. I think they're very helpful. So in the Ten Commandments, we have the Seventh Commandment, which is you shall not commit adultery. And so I would say that pornography clearly violates that commandment. But we have to look at it kind of closely. The thing is that with the Ten Commandments is that they have a sort of narrow meaning or narrow application and both a broad meaning and broad application. So uh, narrowly speaking, 
Adultery proper is forbidden in the seventh. Adultery is the violation of another person's marriage bed. It is sexual intercourse involving at least one married individual. Francis Turretin says God uses adultery to contemn all lewdness and wantonness because it is one of its grossest forms, most injurious to human society and contumelious to our neighbor. In other words, God uses adultery to condemn all the sins that kind of fall underneath of it, all the different forms of bodily impurity and sexual immorality, because adultery breaks everything down. It's the most basic covenant. It's the most basic. I mean, a covenant's more than a contract, but if that's a contract that people are willing to violate, they'll violate anything. And it leads to chaos. So God uses it as a way to show the things that he hates. And see, God loves marriage. So the commandments, they, they're set in negatives, but the opposite is true of those commandments. So God hates murder, but he loves life. So one way to keep, or sixth commandment, is to love life, to protect life, to preserve life, to propagate it, not to steal it, but to, to see more life, not less. Well, with adultery, one way to keep the sixth commandment is not just to avoid committing adultery, but to love marriage. And God himself loves marriage and hates adultery. And it's revealed in the language he uses to communicate the nature of his relationship he has with his people. So, for example, in the Old Testament, God calls himself Israel's husband. You'll find that in Isaiah 54, 5. He does this because they have a covenantal relationship, Proverbs 2, 17. And that sort of language continues in the New Testament, but is explicitly applied to Christ's relationship to the church. So, so much for Jesus being a single, right? And you'll find that in Ephesians 5, 25 through 32. Now, adultery comes up too. In the Old Testament, adultery is used to signify apostasy and idolatry, and it's condemned as you know, basically a spiritual adultery. You'll see that in Hosea 3.1. It is basically covenantal unfaithfulness. Israel did not stay faithful to her husband. She committed adultery, apostasy, and idolatry. And that same language you find applied to professed Christians, actually in James chapter 4, verses 4. So these ideas are throughout of all of Scripture, and they reveal to us that God loves marriage and he hates adultery because adultery, because it's, it's blatant in its sinfulness. And Tourette's, again, gives a threefold reason for this commandment. And uh, it's divine, natural, and civil. Divine, because since God is holy, it is just that man created in the image of God should lead a holy and consequently also chaste life, since chastity is part of holiness. So chastity is ta talks about bodily purity, avoiding all forms of sexual sin, keeping yourself. He also says natural. He gives a natural reason, because since the conjunction of male and female pertains to the right of nature, it must necessarily be directed in accordance with the rule of right reason, lest nature herself remain unbridled. Thus, there is no nation in the world which has not approved matrimony and condemned promiscuous intercourse. And that's true. Marriage is, is good in all cultures, and promiscuous Intercourse is seen as at least less good, if not evil. Then he gives a third reason, civil. And he says, because as by the distinction of families, political good order is maintained, so the disturbance of the same by promiscuous lust overthrows republics and brings destructions upon households. In short, 
the breaking of a marriage covenant is a sin against God, nature, and society. It disrupts and destabilizes everything. Sex is for marriage. Marriage in the providence of God produces a household. Households are the building blocks of all of society. And adultery and all its derivations undermine this divine pattern. Which gets us to the broad application of the seventh commandment. And let me just say, this is going to get practical. Hang with me. So let's talk about the broad application of the seventh commandment. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus shows here that the seventh commandment is about more than mere physical adultery, but also about a chase and disciplined life. Which gets us to the larger catechism. The larger catechism is a series of questions and answers that they used several hundred years ago to train Christians in in good theology. And one of the questions says, what are the duties required in the seventh commandment? And the answer is the duties required in the seventh commandment are chastity and body, mind, affections, words, and behaviors, and the preservation of it in ourselves and others, watchfulness over the eyes and all the senses, temperance, keeping of chaste company, modesty and apparel, marriage by those who have not the gift of continency, conjugal love and cohabitation, uh, diligent labor in our callings, shunning all occasions of uncleanliness and resisting temptations thereunto. So in other words, the seventh commandment is about living a restrained, disciplined life with your body. Having control over your affections, your emotions, your desires, your eyes, all that stuff. That's what God calls us. And looking on a woman and lusting at her if she is not yours, right? It's okay to desire your wife, obviously. That's a natural, godly sort of erotic love. But to covet another man's wife, to covet someone that God has not given to you in the covenant of marriage, that is a lack of self-control. That is a lack of of mastering your desires. That is a spiritual adultery, okay? It's a violation of the seventh commandment. And pornography is absolute falls underneath that category now so it's wrong but it's not just wrong it's bad and it's bad because it upends god's order and this comes this what i'm going to read to you comes from a a great series of articles by alan carlson called not safe nor private nor free wendell berry on sexual love and procreation he says as wendell berry writes in the splendid essay sex economy freedom and community sex was never safe and it is less safe now than it has been Community customs and arrangements and controls had existed in part to reduce the volatility and danger of sex. These controls would preserve its energy, its beauty, and its pleasure so that the sexual act would in turn bond husbands to wives, parents to children, families to communities, and the community to nature. Whenever sex becomes autonomous, freed from communal restraints, and valued solely for its own sake, It also becomes frivolous and destructive, even of itself. Rather than freedom, uh, the disintegration of the household through sexual liberation has produced a novel form of bondage. The new overlords, Mr. Berry says, are the sexual specialists, sex clinicians and pornographers, both of whom subsist on the increasing possibility of sex between people who neither know, know 
or care about each other, who also subsists on our failure to see any purpose or virtue in sexual discipline. So pornography removes sex from its design. Yes, God gave you a sex drive. And it's good, and it's natural, but that drive is to push you towards a particular purpose, and that is to get married, and that is to have sex with your wife, and to have babies, and then to make a household, and then fill the world with little worshipers of God that expands his kingdom across this globe. That's the purpose of your sex drive. And when sex is removed from that purpose, when it's divorced from it, chaos ensues. And that's the world we live in. We live in a world where sex has no purpose except just meeting some sort of hunger. And we now are gluttons that are looking at pornography multiple times a day in some cases. And we are being selfish, right? Because that's a selfish form of sex. Pornography, masturbating to pornography is selfish because it has no productive ends. It's just to make yourself feel good. It doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't renew and strengthen your relationship with your wife. It doesn't lead to children. It's it's not a sort of holy recreation. It's none of those things. It's self-pleasure. And it's also uh, monosexual. And sex is meant to bring uh, a person together Right, two people together, excuse me, a husband and a wife. And in one flesh, when they connect through the sex act, they produce children. They are a mixing of the mother and father's DNA. One flesh, right? Children are uh, like this awesome walking around proof that marriage is about one flesh. And they make more people and more people and fill the world with worshipers. And pornography and masturbation moves you away from that design. And it leads to a world where sex is divorced from any productive, purposeful meaning. So it's wrong and it's bad. You need to convince yourself of that. If you think of it as just something neutral, you're never going to break free from porn. Now, the second part of this is you need to change how you think about yourself. And you are a man and you are a Christian. At least I assume you are if you listen to It's Good to Be a Man. Our main audience is men and Christian men. But to be a man means to be disciplined. Man, right? Man, we have like these intense sexual desires, right? A guy's got to do something about that. You don't want to have blue balls, right? A man's got to get off. I mean, you're red, a red-blooded meat eater, right? No, no, a man isn't controlled by his desires. He rules over his desires. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. A man controls his emotions and spirits and he does it for a mission, for his mission, which is, should be a subset of the mission of God. You got to ask yourself, Who is in charge? Your body or you? Do you rule over your body? Do you aim your desires in a proper way? Like the goal isn't to destroy your sexual desires, but to harness it. It's like a river, right? You you harness a river in a, a mill and it turns the mill and it leads to production. That's what you need to do with your sex drive. Harness it. You've got to be like Job. Job says in Job 31, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. 
For what is our lot from God above, our heritage from the Almighty on high? Is it not ruin for the wicked, disaster for those who do wrong? Does he not see my ways? Look, God knows. God knows. And you and you know. And you have to work at controlling this. Giving in to pornography isn't isn't because you're a man. It's because of a failure of manhood, guys. Everyone wants to tell you, oh, this is this healthy. Men have a high sex drive. They do for a reason, because we're supposed to be producers. We get things done. We build and conquer and rule. That's what you are. You're a ruler and a conqueror. You have to start thinking of yourself that way. You're a man. A man can take cold showers. A man can stay awake for hours when he has to defend his family. A man can do amazing things, and a man can have control over his desires. You can have victory, especially if you're a Christian man. But before I get to that, let me just say this. I know a lot of non-Christians who don't masturbate. I know a ton of them. I know a ton of them that don't look at pornography. This whole no-fat movement, there's guys that woke up and saw the destruction that a masturbation was bringing into their life. And they don't even have the Spirit of God. But if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit what is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? It's according to the book of Galatians, self-control. God fills you with his spirit. And the work of sanctification, uh, you're dying to sin and being renewed more and more after the image of God. You're becoming more like Jesus. So you are a man and you are a Christian and you can have victory over it. You need to think of yourself that way. That pornography is wrong and bad, and God has designed you to rule over it, to overcome it. And now you have the Holy Spirit who strengthens you in your battle against sin. Now, this should be your mind frame. This should be the way you think. But how do you maintain your frame? How do you keep this mindset? Well, you need to read, pray, and preach. The one that really helped me when I first became a Christian, the one passage of scripture was Psalm 199. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. You have to know God's word. You got to feast on it. You got to commit it to memory and meditate on it. Seriously, a chapter a day will change your life forever. It strengthens you. It shows you. People I say, well, God's ways aren't our ways. Very true. But God reveals his way in Scripture. Uh, study God's word. So you need to read. You need to pray. You need to call out to God. You need to talk to him about your about what's going on in your life, about everything. I, I use uh, the Lord's Prayer as a outline for my prayers. So um, our Father who art in heaven... So I'll pray out to God and praise him for his attributes, his holiness, whatever. Hallowed be thy name, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I'll ask him uh, to bring his kingdom through me and his will on earth. And I'll just work through it as a sort of um, outline. Or you can use uh, ACTS, Acts, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Uh, spend some time adoring God and, and praising him for who he is. Confess your sins. Give him thanks for his mercy, for the things he provides in your life. And then end with some supplication, asking God uh, to meet your needs. So you need to read and pray. These are means of grace that God uses to grow you and make you more like his son. Now, let's turn to preaching. Right? I said read, pray, and preach. So you need to learn to preach. And you need to learn to preach to yourself. You need to preach God's word to yourself when you're facing temptation. And we see this modeled in a sense in Matthew chapter 4. 
there Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by Satan himself. So Jesus overcomes those temptations by counteracting each of the devil's temptations with scripture. So the devil offered Jesus something or challenged Jesus, and Jesus just quotes scripture back. Now when you're tempted by your flesh, you need to take the same approach. You need to preach to yourself. And to do that, you have to know God's word. Now let me give you a simple example of preaching to yourself. Let's say you're tempted to look at pornography. You need to tell yourself, I will not do that. I am dead to sin, but alive to God and Christ Jesus. I bear it in the name of Christ and I represent him. Therefore, I will not let sin reign in my body so that I obey its lusts. This is what you've got to do. You've got to quote scripture back to yourself. And you'll be amazed at the amount of self-control and discipline that flows from simply reminding yourself who you are in Christ Jesus. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. You know, I often remind my sons what it means to be a foster. I create family expectations for them that's tied to our family name. Look, fosters don't do this, but they do do this. And, and if you come from a family that has a strong culture, you know that there's expectations connected to your name. Well, you bear the name of Christ. God is your father. And with that come certain expectations and abilities and, and all that. So you need to constantly be reminding yourself who you are. You are a Christian. You have been saved from sin. Sin's dominion has been broken. You are a new cre- creation in Christ. And you can have victory over these things. Not perfectly, but you can make ground. All right, so that was step one. I know it's a long one, but I just wanted to lay it out there. Here's step two. Identify triggers and time. So triggers uh, is the things that that really push you towards uh, pornography and masturbation. I find, as I talk to people that porn is largely a form of self-medication, a way to feel less stressed, to calm down. I mean, this is the same thing with drugs and alcohol. People that are trying to deal with uh, feelings that are getting them down, they'll, they'll go to drugs and alcohol and masturbation. So look for those triggers, identify them. And when you're coming into a time where you see those triggers are going to be kind of heavy, well, then uh, you need to take steps to not fall back into an old pattern of life. You also need to identify your times. A porn problem is a, a habit problem. And you can really throw a monkey wrench into your bad habits. There's ways that you can break them up. So a lot of guys, uh, for example, I have heard that a lot of guys will masturbate first thing in the morning, usually in the shower. So let's say that's you. And that's been your habit for some time. Well, if you know that's the time in which you engage in that, what you can do is just break the habit up. So the night before, lay out all your clothes, wake up in the morning, and when you go to to the shower, take like a one-minute ice-cold shower. It's good for you anyway. And if you can masturbate in an ice-cold shower, that's pretty intense. I don't think it's going to happen. And then get out the door as fast as possible. So you need a change up to change. So identify your triggers, identify your times, and do things to prepare when you're going into a high stress time. And also uh, look for ways to build new habits that that, uh, undermine the old ungodly habits. Now third, you also need to work on defense and offense. So defense is what I think most people talk about. 
in this whole discussion of pornography. So that's filters and accountability software. So filters at an IP level or just on your computer or on your iPhone will stop you from seeing uh, certain you know websites that have adult content on it, pornography on it. Accountability software will send an email or a report to someone that demonstrates that you did look at those you know websites. These are really just speed bumps that slow you down. They're not going to stop you, but they will provide some protection. Well, they're good in that sense. There's, there's, look, there is no way you're going to stop looking at porn unless you decide to. No one can stop you. You can go look at it whenever you want. Once you get out of your house, I mean, there's screens everywhere. There's free porn everywhere. You're going to have to decide. You can set up these defenses, but there is no airtight defense. You're going to have to change, but these will help you in weak moments to like second guess. And that's the whole purpose of a speed bump, right? So you don't speed through a neighborhood and kill a kid because it's so uncomfortable hitting those speed bumps. Well, that's the same purpose of these uh, filters and accountability softwares to slow you down. They're a defense. You also need to work on your offense. So short-term offenses, uh, exercise, all right, that's part of bodily purity, keeping your body in shape. I don't care if it's weightlifting or running or just being really active, like being involved in some sort of uh, basketball team at the YMCA in the morning. Uh, you need to make sure you sleep right so your cortisol levels aren't off the charts, so you're relaxed and you're not stressed out. You need to sh- make sure that you eat right so your body's not wigged out, man. Eat healthy. Do all these things to keep your stress and anxiety levels down. It will help you not fall into those temptations from stress triggers. Another thing is you need to stay busy. You, I always tell people, like, one way they can fight a porn addiction is it's to get a second job. And here's my thinking on it. My thinking is simple, is that I'm married. I have, I have had eight kids. That's a lot of kids. Uh, and you know how kids get made. So me and my wife very much enjoy each other. And there are nights when she and I would very much like to be intimate, but we're just too tired. <laughs> we're, we're wore out. We just collapse and fall asleep. There's nights where she's trying to wake me up and I'm like, whatever, you know, I'm not interested. Let me sleep. Uh, just wear yourself out. Do it for, as you're building up your own household, gathering resources, putting, uh, a, filling up a checking account with some money, you know, buying a house so you have something to bring a woman into. But get that second job and keep yourself busy. That'll help. So that's one way to have kind of short-term uh, offense to attack the problem. Uh, you can also uh, read scripture and pray, but not just in relationship to pornography. You're not defined by your sin. Enjoy the whole of God's word. Jocko is right. Discipline is freedom. So live a disciplined life, a life that is disciplined by God's scripture to God's glory. So just constantly be feeding yourself, listening to good sermon, reading good books. So have a solid offense. Now, long-term, the offensive tactic is to get married. This is what Scripture says. If you can't control yourself, if you're burning with lust, take a wife. You do want to get married. It's not as easy as some say. It's not as hard as, as others say. But let me give you a warning. Marriage is not a solution to a porn problem in itself. Uh, and there's uh, really interesting studies on this. But basically, your body 
has different experiences from sexual stimulation via porn and masturbation and sexual stimulation between a man and a woman. They're not the same. They have different results. Uh, pornography has really diminishing returns, but not so much with uh, sex inside of marriage. It, it actually has all these awesome benefits. So you want to get married. That will help you fight those temptations, but it's not going to solve it. You have to learn to be disciplined. It's not a solution, it's a help. Now lastly, you need to find your tribe and run with them. 2 Timothy 2.22, every guy should memorize this. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So when you're fleeing these things, you need to be pursuing other things, right? Flee sinful things, pursue righteous things, but don't do it as a solo lone ranger Christian. You've got to be in a church. You got to find your tribe. You got to find some brothers to run with, to work on uh, all aspects of your life with. So find your tribe and run with. Just to recap, you need to reframe how you think about porn and yourself. You need to identify your times and triggers, and you need to find your tribe and run with them. There you have it, a four-step plan. Pick a place and get at it. God's with you, Christian brothers. You can do it. So until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. 